And welcome back to an all-new episode of Mission Talk. Before we get started, I wanted to say a personal thank you to those of you who have supported us over the past 10 episodes. Today is our season one finale, and we cannot thank you enough for the love and support you have given us. But don't worry, because we will be back in the fall with a brand new season of Mission Talk. And now I think it's time to meet our guests for this episode. Let's do this. And welcome back to another episode of Mission Talk. Today on our season finale, we have some special guests um, coming from uh, my home state of Ohio and not too far down the road, but they now live in Matagapa, if I'm still saying that right, Nicaragua. They are down there as missionaries with Healing Rain Ministries. I have the founders of this organization, Chris and Carmen McBeath. Chris and Carmen, thank you for jumping on with me today. Thank you for the opportunity. Yeah, so Chris, we we have been we talked on the phone for a little while, and when I first talked with you on the phone, I thought you were here in the states, and you know, because it was crystal clear quality. And then you're like, "Well, we're actually down in Nicaragua." I'm like, "Okay, <laughs> well, that's fine." Uh, we we have in we have interviewed several people already from all over the world, and so now we're adding your country to the list. And so I'm excited for people. I have done some research into what Healing Rain Ministries has been doing. But just that's just my studies. So I'm excited for people to know and hear from uh, from the founders of Healing Rain Ministries, what it is your uh, organization does and how they can be involved. But before we jump into the Healing Rain side of things, Chris and Carmen, can you just introduce yourself and your family? Absolutely. My name is Chris McBeath and this is my wife, Carmen. We have three children, Dalton, Colton and Leanne. Uh, They're all adults now. Um, and we're all from the Cincinnati area. Mm-hmm. Actually, we're from Harrison out on the west side, but we spent the last probably 30 years up in Mainville, um, pretty close to Wilmington. Yes. And uh, we attended Fellowship of Praise. That's our home church. And uh, we are two of, our, of the three of our children actually work full-time with the ministry. Um, our middle son, Colton, actually just got married <laughs> last month to one of our staff members in Nicaraguan. So he's, he's fully invested now. Yes. <laughs> you know, we were the regular family working the regular jobs, chasing the American dream, just like everybody else. And God spoke to us and uh, we dropped everything. Um, tried to figure out, you know, what it meant to be a missionary and uh, just followed God's calling by, uh, you know, preparing ourselves the best we could, um, but also he told us that if we just gave everything away instead of selling it, that he would provide for us and our family and our ministry. So we gave away cars, we gave away TVs, furniture, everything we owned. And, uh, the next thing you know, we were on a plane to Nicaragua. <laughs> so I, I have to ask, I mean, you felt a call into the mission field. Um, how did that call come about and like, what brought about Nicaragua like how how did that come to be where you're at now it's kind of a long story and we have totally two different stories so (laughs) I'll let Carmen share just a snippet of hers and then I'll share a snippet of mine um when I was um 10 years old um I attended Christian school um in Harrison Ohio at an assembly of God church and um 
some missionaries came and spoke and um, in my chapel. Um, and I was a wreck and I didn't understand what was happening, but I felt like God was asking me to do everything that those missionaries did. Mm. And I just said, yes, I will. I didn't know what that, what it meant. And my mom actually had to pick me up from school that day because I was such a wreck and I didn't understand what was happening. But then life happens and she met me <laughs> in high school. <laughs> We were high school sweethearts. Um, I was a homebody, didn't want anything to do with leaving the country. Um, I, I really didn't even have a relationship with Christ growing up. So um, it wasn't until I met Carmen that uh, I was introduced to Jesus. And uh, we started dating when she was 15 and I was 16. And uh, in two days, we're going to celebrate 26 years of marriage. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, she kind of put things on the back burner as far as her calling she she felt when she met me because you know things happen but we were at a missions conference in the year 2000 and a pastor was preaching a message and he had a couple pairs of shoes of missionaries that had been martyred and killed on the, on the foreign field preaching the gospel and he slammed the shoes on the pulpit and said, who's going to fill these shoes now? And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, you are. And she had never mentioned to me about her calling or anything up until this time. And of course, when I answered the altar call and said, I don't know what this means, God, but I'll do I'll do whatever you need me to do. She was ecstatic. <laughs> the fire rekindled. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, we were living the American dream, which also includes lots of debt. So it took us the next 11 years to get out of debt. Yeah. And we did Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University yep. and uh, started preparing ourselves, like I said, giving things away. Uh, it was a long road <laughs> and exhausting. And the enemy tried to derail us many times. With discouragement. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, telling us we were failures because it took so long. But in July of 2012, we got on a plane. Well, if the enemy's trying to discourage you, that means he knows the threat you oppose to him. Amen. So, that's incredible. So um, now stepping off the plane, like, like you said, you were living, you were pursuing the American dream. And so it, I'm sure there was a major cultural shock or cultural differences you noticed stepping on the plane. What were some of those you noticed right off the bat or that was hard to adjust to? Okay. So um I'm just going to tell a little testimony of this because um, I attended a women's Bible study in the basement of my friend's church, and it was just a women's study, and we would pray together, pray over each other. And um, one night, all the ladies just lined up on both sides and said, everyone walk through, and we'll just lay hands on you and pray. But before you walk through, you just have to speak in faith what you need from God. And this was in June um, of 2012. And I said, we need a deposit. I just set a deposit for airline tickets because um, we didn't even have the money for airline tickets to come here, nothing. And all I did was say that. And I didn't even walk through the ladies in their hands to touch me and pray. And the lady at the end, she said, um, my husband works for Delta and I'm going to give you five buddy passes. All you have to do is pay for the tax. Wow. So that helped us get on the, get on the plane. And 
are the biggest cultural difference. Yeah. I think is the the slow pace of life here. Um, you know, in the U.S., you're always going, you're always doing things. Whereas here, um, everybody takes time for family. Everybody takes time for friends. Um, when I have staff meetings and <laughs> have different, you know, uh, activities that we're doing, I have to make sure I tell my staff it's gringo time or American time. Yeah, be here on like gringo time. This is time. <laughs> because if I tell them to be there at nine o'clock, I'll give you just a small example. I preached a wedding a few years ago and I was told to be there at four o'clock. And I said, okay. So as an American, I'm there at, you know, 340, 345. You know, I got there a little bit early. And four o'clock, there's not a single soul there to be. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> I was told to be here at four. Okay. About 4.30, there were a handful of people, half a dozen people showed up. No sight of the bride, the groom, the family, <laughs> nothing. It got to be about five o'clock and the groom shows up with his father. And I said, you guys told me to be here at five or four, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, everybody's fine. Everybody's fine. <laughs> I was like, okay. 6.30. The bride shows up <laughs> two and a half hours later. And I mean, I really had to ask God to help me because I'm like, this is crazy, you know. But after nine years of us being here, yeah. we've kind of <laughs> grown into that. And when we come back to visit the States, it's kind of hard to get us going again. Yeah. <laughs> a question I'm really curious to know is when did the idea for Healing Rain Ministries come to be? Is this something you had already been thinking about? before even coming to the country or was this something that developed as you were there? This developed in me, I would say it started when I was 10 years old, like I said, and then with Chris, it started in 2000 and God started stirring it then. So it, it was just preparation. And, um, until we got here, I will say that in, um, um, August 25th of 2011, the Lord gave me a prophecy and I was just up praying in the middle of the night. And the prophecy was this, um, prepare because in six months, I'm going to start launching you forward. And we, you know, so we didn't know what that meant. So just in our family time, every night uh, we had devotions and prayer. We said, okay, we got to start preparing to let our life go here in the United States um, and start preparing for, to go to another country. And we didn't know, but um, the Lord spoke one night and um, I heard in my spirit, I just heard a city surrounded by water. And Chris and I and our, our oldest son, Dalton, had worked in El Salvador before, and we really wanted to go there because we were already connected with El Salvador. We had never stepped foot in Nicaragua, didn't know anything about it. And um, anyway, so we're praying and um, I hear a city surrounded by water. So I Googled it and Managua, Nicaragua came up. <laughs> so it was, Yeah. So um, now, like I said, I had already done a little bit of research into the work of Healing Rain Ministries, but there are several people who's going to be watching this who don't know what the mission and vision of Healing Rain Ministries is. So you, can you just talk a little bit about that to us and explain um, exactly what is the purpose of Healing Rain Ministries? 
Well, and that's that's actually a really neat thing how we developed um, just as a ministry in, in general. We got here and it was kind of like we stepped off the plane and we were ta-da, we're here, <laughs> we're missionaries. And but it was like now, now what? what do we do? <laughs> and so we we started praying and just asking God for direction and we kept our eyes open. We knew that we were in the right place. We just weren't sure what the exact purpose was. Um, we had a lot of things in our heart, but we just, we needed the direction. So there were a lot of street kids here yeah. uh, in, in our city. And when I say street kids, I'm saying kids from the ages of three or four up to about 12. Yeah. And even in the teenagers yeah. that were sleeping in cardboard boxes and just had, they were picking out trash and, Carmen, I'll never forget one day we were walking down the street. She was eating a piece of watermelon and she was down to the rind, you know, the white part of the watermelon. And she threw it in a trash can and right behind us, uh, a child about five years yeah. old grabbed that rind and pulled it out and started eating it. Yeah. And my heart just broke. Yeah. And I told Carmen, I was like, what are we doing? What are we, what, what can we do? And so I went to bed that night and I had a dream. And I had a dream that Carmen was making rice and beans and we were making little bags and I was filling my (laughs) backpack and I was taking it out on the streets and feeding these children. And I woke up and I told Carmen my dream. She says, well, that's where we'll start. So she started making rice and beans every day and we bag them up as a family and take them out on the street and feed these kids. And that is honestly, that is how we started. We had to get there early because at seven o'clock in the morning they left because that's when all the people would enter the city. And, um, but we did ask them one day, we said, um, do you know why we're here? And they said, yeah, you're here to give us breakfast every morning. (laughs) And we're like, actually, that's not why we're here. We're here because Jesus Christ sent us here to love you and tell you um, that he wants a relationship with you. So. Absolutely. And so within starting Helium Ray Ministries, what is your roles in this now? Because it's obviously grown over the years. What What is both of your roles in Helium Ray Ministries now? Well, we're, we're still very hands-on. Um, mm-hmm. I, I would consider us a, still a small ministry. Um, I'm the president and Carmen's the vice president, but we have a staff of 12 uh, total counting us. Yes. Um, and, you know, we're, we're very hands-on in the day-to-day operations. Um, we do have a director and we do have, you know, people assigned to different positions that have responsibilities. But overall, we, we do, over, matter of fact, they're having a staff meeting down below yes. right now here yes. at the office. Um, but, I mean, we're, we're, I want to be involved, not because of control, I'm a control freak, but because I want to get my hands. Yeah, started. we want, want to be to part be of everything. Just um, it's that's who I am. You put me on a dirt road with a bunch of kids. That that's that's heaven to me. You know. Yeah. Um, that's where that's where we thrive. Yeah. So uh, you, you mentioned you have about twelve staff members. What what do, what do some of these staff members do? Just so we can kind of get a picture of what the day to day operations look like. Okay. Well, we'll start with my son Colton. And his wife, Pamela Colton, is our videographer. Mm-hmm. And he, he worked for several churches in um, Cincinnati before coming full-time for us. 
he went he went to the University of Cincinnati and got his education for, for video school and he is he's very good. If yes. you go under our, our Facebook page or our YouTube page, all the videos he's done them all. And it's neat to see the progression from our very first video oh, back yeah. in the early <laughs> inner part of our ministry to now to see his education. <laughs> um, he's very good at what he does and we're blessed to have yes, him. Yes, we are. Um, and then his wife, Pamela, she is in charge of our choreography and our dramas and our games for our, our different activities yes. in the schools and our street ministry. Um, so whenever we, when our staff, when we, when we go out to ministry, um, whether it's street evangelism or our discipleship classes in the schools or yep. when we visit the nursing homes, Pam comes up with skits and dramas uh, and songs and games for our staff to do um, to get the kids or the elderly or whoever we're ministering to involved. Yes. Um, they're just tools, yeah. you know, to reach people. And <laughs> that's, that's what we do. Because tools that they love. They work here. I don't know that they would work in the United States, but they definitely work here. Okay. So, yeah. Um, that's great. So after Pamela, Leanne, uh, our, our daughter, our youngest daughter, she's yeah. 18 years old and she is in charge of our social media platform. Yes. Uh, she takes care of the Instagram, Facebook, yes. and, uh, you, whatever you platforms whatever. we have out there. She takes care of all that. She's really yeah. good at that. Plus, she's a planner too. She helps promote yes. um, all of our, our staff members, I would say in general, our children's leadership. Yeah. Um, they all they all teach the lessons, yep. they all preach, yes. they all are hands-on. None of them are just one dimension. Right. If, if at any time I need to, you know, if I have somebody set up to, to teach in a school and I need somebody else to do it at any time, I can say, you know, so-and-so, yep. you know, we need you. Step up to the plate. Yep. And they are all yes. so versatile and so yes. blessed and anointed uh, to do that. I'm very capable. Um, they know the word um, and they're, they're not afraid to teach it. It's right. so amazing. Um, you know, in the United States, I feel like um, witnessing is a little taboo to people. And I hate to say it that way, but it seems intimidating or a taboo. And, um, but here, um, you know, every one of them um, come out of, come out of the church that we attend here um, and, they know their word. They're they're not afraid to share it, and they have a a compassion that burns in them to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. No matter, we'll do anything besides sin to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. So after the end is Jefferson. He is our longest standing staff member. Member Jefferson is my Mister Everything. Mister Everything. He is my translator. Uh, he is very fluent in English. Yes. He even knows our, our slang from Ohio. Yeah. Um, you know, our y'alls and all that. <laughs> and humans and he's been with <laughs> us five and a half years now. He's so um, he's, he's very yes. good at the, the southern southern drawl and yeah. the, the northern, you know, accent. <laughs> he's, he knows it all. So yeah. He's he, very good. He does good. But he's also my driver. Um down here, things are a little different, just um, according to the law and the traffic. Um, you know, traffic-wise down here, 
stop signs and stop lights are just optional. optional. Yeah, if you feel like it or you know, whatever. <laughs> um, and things can be kind of dangerous. I'm not afraid to drive. Oh, no, we drive. Have, yeah. But when you get in an accident down here, yeah. if you don't separate between yourselves, um, then the police get involved and you both go to jail. Yeah, you both and go to jail. The and judge you- figures it out. <laughs> so um, yeah. and it's really, with us being American, of course, it's kind of like a tendency. I don't want to, I don't want to portray it, but most of the time we're the ones that are guilty. Yeah. Even when we're not. <laughs> well, and I will say this, you know, um, we've driven several times and most of the time we get pulled over and, um, and we didn't do anything wrong. They just see that we're gringos and they want to pull us over because they want a bribe. They want money. Yeah, so. so, but it's just part of, it's life here. And that's one of those cultural yeah. things. You, <laughs> you just, you're not going to change it. So just, nah. um, yeah. but as far as Jefferson, he is amazing. I say he's my Mr. Everything because he, he does. He translates, he drives, he can teach. Oh, yeah, he, everything. Kids love him. They call him uh, Tio Colocho, which is oh. Uncle Curly because his hair is very curly. Yeah. Um, he's a lot of fun, but he's also dating my daughter. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, so they've been dating for over a year now, I think. And, uh, you know, it's it, he's, he's a good young man. Yeah. Um, after that, we have Misael, we have Noemi, we have Itzel, um, Itzel. Mm-hmm. we have Ali. Ali is my youth director, my youth pastor. Uh, he's also our worship leader. Yes. Um, and we have, I'm now missing Giselle. Giselle. Mm-hmm. Giselle's my accountant. Mm-hmm. And who else? Is that it? Um, I think I think, I think so. that's everybody. Yep. <laughs> but the rest of them, they kind of have a general role besides Giselle and, and Ali. They are all capable, like I said, to do everything. Yep. They can teach. They can come up with games. They can do dramas. They can. I mean, when I need them to do yep. something, they're there. And it's it's not a so much as I'm bragging on myself and Carmen as I'm bragging on them. Yeah. They love the Lord and they, they say, here I am. Yeah. You know, uh, I feel called to be a part of this ministry and I want to further the kingdom. I love yes. my country. I love yes. Jesus. And I want to see my country come to know Jesus. And so they're, they're amazing. They absolutely are amazing. people. Basically um, we train up, and they're young people. They're all young people. Um, two of them are married now. Uh, well, three, Count and Colton. They just got married. But um, they they just have this passion. And they're missionaries to their own country. Um, but we get the privilege of having them on our team. So we're so excited and with our ministry. You know, it's, it's kind of funny because when Carl and I, when we started doing the ministry, it was just our family. Yep. And then we added a translator eventually because... You know, our Spanish, our Spanish is terrible. But, <laughs> Not anymore. Um, it was just our family. And I felt like, you know, discipleship has got to be key to, to your ministry. You've got to recreate yourself. And, I mean, that's what Jesus said. He said, go into all the world and make disciples. And that's what we've tried to do. Jesus took 12 and he taught them everything he knew about yes. the Father and about, you know, walking with God. 
and he sent them out. And that's what we have tried to do with our staff. That we just teach them everything we know, and then we go with them. Because there's going to be someday, unfortunately, or fortunately, however you want to look at it, we <laughs> be in heaven or won't be able to do this, but um, we're not going to be around forever. Right. And we, we have to replicate ourselves. We do. And that's what we've tried to do. And we started with our staff, with our team, and then now we're working in, in the schools and in the nursing homes and on the streets yes. and in the, in the cities. And we're trying to recreate ourselves. Yes. Not recreate Chris and Carl. No. But recreate disciples of Christ. Yes. That's amazing. So um, ever since I discovered you guys, I have been following you on social media. So you can tell your daughter, you know, you got a fan over here from Ohio. <laughs> There's at least me, but um, <laughs> thank you. One of the first videos I saw that was posted was a video of you and Carmen with a bunch of kids around an ice cream cart. And um, I, can, can you guys just explain that story from your perspective? Because you can so much better. That was one of the coolest things I've seen. And uh, as always, we've always put your social medias in our description. But I just want to hear from uh, your perspective again of how that came to be. Because that was one of the coolest things I've seen on social media in a long time. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of fun. And it was definitely all God. It was I mean, spur of the <laughs> moment. I mean, just everything. Yeah, I'm not going to take any credit for no. just being obedient. We were coming down um, the, the dirt road to one of our schools where we work. And uh, you know, we always take a snack to the kids when we go to the schools. Yes. And we had our snacks prepared, but it was really hot today. Was Super the hot. 90s, oh, yeah. Uh, very humid. And I saw this here, our ice cream guys, they're not driving these nice trucks. They like, have to push that, with their. What's that? Uh, uh, ice. The ice in, in Ohio, the ice truck. Ice, oh, the ice cream truck. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. Um, they pushed little carts and he was pushing it up this hill. And man, these things are not. Pouring hot. sweat. I mean, it was so hot. And we're sitting in our air conditioned vehicle watching this. My heart sank. But I just, I felt like the Lord said to bless it. And I was like prepared. I'm like, okay, Lord, give him a little bit of money. Um, you know, what do you, what do you want me to do? And I felt like the Lord just said, you know what? It's a hot day. The kids would love ice cream. Um, buy his ice cream and pray with him and bless him. Yep. And then give it to the kids. And I said, okay. So I told my driver, Jefferson, I said, stop the van. And I told Colton, I said, don't tell that ice cream guy to meet us at the school. And so Colton went back and told him and yep. he pulled up the school. And- he was so excited. He, you know, he was coming up this big hill and he just booked it all the way to the school. He beat us there. It was amazing. He and got I excited. Said, uh, I said, you know, we want to buy the kids an ice cream. So, you know, we're just going to, we'll buy your ice cream. And then you can go home early today for the day and relax. And of course, I asked the kids, you want ice cream? And they're like, yeah. <laughs> so they all came out and, you know, we ended up, you know, taking care of him. And he was, he went away very, very happy. So happy. Yeah. You know, it was a win-win for everybody. Yeah, yeah. it was. And and uh, even more so than a win, helping support him financially, it's a big testimony too. Yeah. Yeah. That, uh, I love watching that video. So, um, and just, just to be clear real quick, the ice creams, 
I mean, it cost me like a quarter. Of piece. Yeah, it wasn't so much. I don't want everybody to think, oh my gosh, you spent hundreds of dollars. No. I mean, I think I might have spent 20 some bucks, you know. On so, all those ice creams. <laughs> so, I mean, it's definitely, it's it's relevant to the ice cream. Did, did they take American currency? Is that? They do, but the ice cream man, he wouldn't have been able to because... Mm. You know, we can go into a, some of those grocery stores and stuff and make it convert. Yeah. But people on the streets. No. Know, but I, I have it. Yeah. So it's a quarter of a <laughs> so, so when Healing Ray Ministries first uh, set foot in, in uh, Nicaragua, was there any cultural pushback or difficulties at first? Um, I mean, because like I said, it, it can be kind of an intimidating thing. You're in a new country. And they obviously don't know you and you're coming in as missionaries um, wanting to help. Was there, Did you notice any cultural pushback or was there a lot of acceptance with you guys coming in? I think there's they are very accepting. Um, I will say when we first started, um, we were trying to start a feeding center in a community and we weren't really familiar. And we were asking the um people that were closest to us that we trusted, you know, uh, where can we go? And um, someone had told them, you know, a certain village and we went there and we started a small feeding center, but we realized real quick that they really weren't in that much need. Mm -hmm. And so um, we pulled out and we started just praying and said, God, we want you to show us where to go. Like, you know, we can't just do this on our own. We're not familiar with this country and we need you to show us. And he just started opening up opportunities, but the people are very accepting for the most part. Yes. Yeah. That's all I add to that. Yeah. Carmen's right. I mean, Nicaragua is the second poorest country in the Western hemisphere next to Haiti. So they need help. They oh, know yeah. they need help. They're not just begging for no reason. There are, no. there are people here physically yeah. starving that have no hope. They can't get a job. Jobs are very scarce here. And Especially right now. Most people, I don't know the exact percentage, but it's a very high percentage of the population. They're day workers. They work today to put food on the table tonight. Yep. And so when they see missionaries coming, they know that we live where we were from the most blessed nation in the world, that the United States is the greatest nation in the world. I no matter what's going on in Washington. And, um, you know, they want our help. They, they do, and yeah. they receive it. And yeah. they, they want God. I mean, they're just like anybody else. Yeah. That they're hurting. They're, they're trying to figure things out. They're trying to raise their kids. They're trying to live a good life and provide yeah. for their family. And it's just a struggle. Yeah. You know, we've, we've noticed a couple things, you know, God gave us wisdom when we came here and we befriended the city officials oh, yeah. and the police department. Yeah. Um, we took over a thousand donuts to the national police department <laughs> and gave donuts out to all the police officers. Carmen uh, made a huge spaghetti dinner for all the firefighters. And we were able to each time, we didn't normally just give them things, but we were able to talk to them about the G- about Jesus yeah. and explain to them who we are. Yeah. Because we don't live in a very big city, and people know when Americans come. Yeah. We stand out. We obviously. stand out. <laughs> and so we didn't want them thinking, mm, wonder what they're doing. Yeah. Why are they we wanted them to know. We wanted to be up front. Hey, we're here to help. 
if you know of areas that we need to work in and we can help, uh, show us the way. We're here to partner with you. We're not here to cause any trouble. Yep. We want to be we want to be representing Christ in the best way possible. So we yeah. met with the mayor, we met with the assistant mayor, we met with the police department, we met with the fire department. Yep. And I really think that that wisdom that God gave us to do that has laid a foundation yeah. that has opened up so many doors for us to be able to minister to so many more people. Yes, it has, for sure. That's awesome. So, Carmen, you had just mentioned right there a minute ago, um, you said the feeding center. So let's talk a little bit about some of those um some of those things you guys helped establish. Let's start with the feeding center. Can you tell us a little bit about what that entails? So um, we've built two feeding centers so far. And basically um, they feed 500 kids a week out of both of those feeding centers. And um, they do it on the weekends so that the parents can come as well, not just children. And um, we, Basically, God told us just to partner um, with two churches to build the feeding centers, and um, they're basically um, attached to um, the church. And um, so we turned it over. Like, we're not here to micromanage anything. Um, We got it going. We, you know, we um, helped fund some of it. And, um, but we partnered together with them. We never took anything over and, um, we turned it over to them and we have kids, 500 kids a week eating out of both of those and their families. Well, and you know, when we built the feeding centers, our, our ministry was developing. Yes. And we, we wanted to do more evangelism and discipleship. But trying to do that in the feeding centers at the same time, yeah, it was, it was exhausting. Yeah, it was killing us. And mm-hmm. I was talking to my pastor, and he said, "You know, Chris, that horses have blinders for a reason. You know, it keeps them focused, so they don't get distracted with a lot of different things. You can do a lot of good in a lot of different areas, but you need to find out where your true calling is and focus on that and do it great." And yeah. We found we found out that discipleship is and evangelism is definitely yes. where we want to stay focused. Yes. The feeding centers are tools. Yes, Jesus fed the people before he preached to them. So we met a need, and that's what those feeding centers do. And we're actually uh, raising money right now to build our third feeding yes, center. Yes, we are. <laughs> but those are just tools. We turn them over to the local pastors. They run them. They keep them going. We show them how to do things. We bought the supplies. And yep. now we move on. Yep. And that's just not something we should have our day-to-day hands in. Right. And it's actually been so liberating. Yeah. And it's been wonderful to see, not just for us, but the church, the local churches being blessed. Yeah. Because they're now operating and we've seen their congregations grow. <laughs> one church. Yeah. They started when we built that feeding center, they probably had 20 members. Now um I, I think. They're probably at least over a hundred now. I mean, yeah. the church is it's, busting. Yeah, the scenes. it is. So we're blessed. From that. When you show people that you care about their basic needs, they're willing to listen to what you have to say um, about God and about um, Jesus and the Holy Spirit. They want to hear what you have to say when they know you care about them. 
Right. Right. So um, you had mentioned the churches. I think I read a story that um, you were at least a part in establishing a church in the mountains. Um, can you tell us a little bit about church planting, uh, church plantings in that area? It's really funny because when we when we came down here, I told you it was just like ta da! I'm here. Now. <laughs> I, you know, we were youth pastors at one time, and we were missions directors at a church at one time. We never worked with the little kids, children's pastors. No way. Never uh, thought about planning a church. Never even crossed my radar until one day there was a need met, and our last you know, trip to the U.S the Lord gave me a message about just say yes, just say yes and let him figure out the details. And somebody presented an opportunity for us to uh, partner with our, our home church to plant another church where we found out in this community, people were walking over two hours to get to church. And I mean, we worry about who can park closest to the front door, you know, yeah. <laughs> I mean, or whether it's raining, nah, it's raining, maybe we shouldn't drive to church, you know. Um, Rainy season here makes um, the mountains very dangerous because it becomes a river, basically the road. Yeah. yeah. People risk their lives to go to church. So we said, yes, we had no idea what we were getting into um, <laughs> when we decided to plant this church. And I'll be honest with you, it was like a whirlwind. The minute yeah. we said yes, God just took over. Yeah. The finances came in. People jumped on board. Yeah. It was amazing. When we first told the community we wanted to build a church, the majority of the community was totally against it yeah. because of they were a different religion. Uh, they There was just various reasons. But they were like, no, we don't want you up here. We don't want you no. to build this church. And we were like, okay. And even the landowner where we got the land from, the community threatened him and said, don't you dare sell that land to those gringos. Yeah. And he said, he's one of those people that if you tell him not to do something, he's actually going to do it even more. So he actually discounted the property. (laughs) Said, if you need more, let me know. (laughs) Um, But we bought the property. And little by little, as we started construction, started digging, the men of the community started to come down and they would be like, Oh, we'll help you if you feed us lunch or whatever. <laughs> and do you know that that church was built 100% by the community volunteering? Nobody oh, got They didn't paid. get paid. And now almost that whole community are members of the church. 200 members. We had wow. during our. Yeah. Our dedication ceremony, which there's a video on our YouTube and our Facebook page. That was last March. Uh, last March. Yes. Uh, right right as the pandemic was starting. Yeah, COVID. Um, <laughs> we dedicated the church and we had over 800 people attend the grand opening up on top of this. It was amazing. In the rural community. People was everywhere. Phenomenal. Was everyone able to fit inside of the actual building? No, no. <laughs> if you look at pictures, you can see there are, there's, probably over a hundred people standing outside the building in the windows, in the doorways, Everywhere. just trying to be a part of what God was doing because they knew that yeah. it was something special. And, and it was else. for them. It was yeah. for them. Like it was, we built that for them. Yeah. And we told them, you know, we prayed um, 
during that service, that dedication service, we prayed and we, we explained to them, this is for you. This is for your children. This is for your children's children. This is, you know, for you. This is where God wants to meet you. This is where God wants you to worship them. This is where, you know, um, you can meet God and, um, in a tangible way, um, and just grow, just grow in him. And, and you guys can be leaders of this church someday. You know, that's what we see. That's incredible. About how far is the church from where you guys live? It's about a two and a half hour drive. It's not very far. It's probably about 50 miles. It's the road. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's straight up. I would say most of the time you've got to go 20, 25 miles an hour. Yeah. You got to cross a river. Yeah. It's a road, yeah. Up a mountain. It's very dangerous. It's not paved. Yeah. <laughs> you got to have a four-wheel drive. Yeah, so. you do. Wow. So um, now we've heard about the feeding centers. We heard a story about how a church got planted in the middle of a mountain. Um, how has Healing Ray Ministries been involved in local schools? Wow. wow. That was really cool. I When we first came, I was doing a little bit of preaching in the prisons. And we went, when you go to the the prison that's close here, um, we would take the bus and we would go buy a school. And one day Carmen and I just looked at each other when we were on the bus and we were like, huh, I wonder if we could just do something activities in that school. And she's like, well, I guess we'll just have to ask. So one day after we were done at the prison, we got off the bus at the school and we went in and, in our best broken Spanish, we said, hey, <laughs> can we come play with the kids? I mean, basically, it was kind of, it wasn't that weird, but it was that weird because we didn't really even know what we were going to do. We just wanted to try to teach them yeah. about the Lord. Yeah. Um, and honestly, eight years ago, that's how it started. Yeah. And today, it is the backbone of our ministry. It's it, what we do. It's our bread and that's, butter. That's... We are ministering in over 10 schools to over 3,000 children every month and the Lord has opened up doors given us favor um, with the school directors and in the department of Matagalpa and we have seen so many children come to know Christ we've seen so much spiritual growth we've seen just the parents the parents have even changed through it it's amazing teachers yes Um, one of the one of the directors came up to us one day uh, last year and said, "I want to talk to you." And we were like, "Oh no, what did we do wrong?" <laughs> you know, we were thought we just like the principal asking to come to his office, <laughs> and uh, he said, "I just want to let you guys know that since Healing Ring Ministries has been working in the schools, attendance has went up, behavior is better, grades are soaring better." And the kids are, are doing unbelievable since you guys have been here. Yeah. I said, attendance is up. I said, How, what, what do we have to do? He said, well, the kids don't, they forget what day you guys are coming. So they come every day because they didn't want to miss when you're here. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it was just such a blessing yes. to hear that, that what we were doing was making a difference. That it was. We're it was encouraging. Yeah. So what what do you do with these kids? Do you just play with them, share the gospel? Is it like, do you have set times to teach or? Well, what we do is we share stories of the Bible Mm -hmm. and um, we teach them how to pray. 
Um, we teach them how to have a relationship with Jesus. We teach them about the Holy Spirit. We teach them that he's with them now, now that Jesus is in heaven and died for us. The Holy Spirit is the one that's here with us now. And so um, we just teach them the undiluted word of God. And, you know, there's no limits. It's yeah, amazing. Anything. And that was one of the things we decided that if we had to water down the word or we weren't going to do it. Beliefs, we yeah. weren't going to do it. And we, we basically go in, you know, and the kids are kids. So we try to sing a couple songs and we have developed now since we've been there so long from just singing like kid songs and to worship you know, to worship. Yeah. We do worship uh, songs. You know, we did open the eyes of my heart last week with yeah. kids and, I mean, they they were worshiping God yeah. right there in the classrooms. Abre mi ojos, oh Cristo. Abre mi ojos, te pido. Yo quiero verte. Yo quiero verte. And after that, we usually do a game or two, uh, just something to have fun and break the ice, you know. And then we teach the word, and then we have time of prayer and. We try to keep it to about 15 minutes yeah. per class. But usually it's about 20. We had a young lady last year, two years ago, last year, that was dealing with some major stuff at home. Her mom and dad were beating her every day. And she, she was, was 12, 13 years old. Yeah. And she was miserable. She was like a hollow skeleton. And she would just stare off into space when we would teach. And um, we asked the teacher what was wrong. And she told us, but she said, you know, you can't make a deal of this because then they'll investigate and come to her house. And then while they're investigating, she'll get beaten worse. And so, so we, we really had to ask for God's direction yeah. on how to deal with it. And we didn't know. I'll be honest with you. Never even don't have a clue how to deal with this yeah. because it's not like going to child services in the U.S. No. and all that. It's just different. Here. Yeah. Um, so we decided we would just pray yep. for her, with her. Yep. Encourage her. Let God deal with it. So uh, we we befriended her. We told her how much we care about her, but mostly how much God loves her and yes. cares about her. And, and that he's with her. He's her protection. Little by little. We started seeing a change, yeah. not just in her, but she said, my parents, they're not, they're not as mean to me. Yes. And it was this amazing. Day, now she's in high school yeah. and we're working in the yeah. high schools. She, it, she, it's a totally 360. Her life has totally been transformed. She smiles. She's happy. She has emotion again. She's alive. She, it was like she was dead. Just yeah. sit there like with no emotion whatsoever and now she's alive and you know it's just it's amazing to see that transformation and that testimony is huge like we we didn't go to authorities we didn't you know because we knew that that wasn't the best solution we just trusted god and he did it and uh, i mean with the school ministry we really we want to invest in kids we want to make disciples we want them to have that relationship with Christ. Yes. And I'll be honest with you, a lot of times, and I'm not pointing fingers at anybody, but sometimes missionaries, they blow in, blow up, blow out. And we want to show these kids 
We're not leaving. We're here. We're investing in you. We're not. You can trust us. Yeah. You can, you can trust us with your, with who you are and every, everything you are, because we're not leaving. Good, bad, and ugly. We're right here. And that I think has been one of the unconditional successes is these kids know that we're not going nowhere, but we're invested in them and they can trust us. And we're family. Yeah. We love them. They actually call us um the TOs are here. Yeah, like aunt and uncle. Aunt and uncle. So <laughs> so you guys obviously, like you said, the schools are the backbone of what Healing Rain does. Um so I do know you have some outreach programs. You have the back to school drive and the um even the Christmas food outreach program. Can you tell us a little bit about what those are? Yep. Well, I'll do the back to school and I'll let Carmen do the okay. Christmas. Yep. Um with the back to school. There was a, a, a time when we first started that there was a young man. Um, he was standing outside the gate of the school. He was, he reminded me of Pigpen from the Peanuts. <laughs> Filthy, tattered clothes, stunk. And every time we would show up to school, we would be inside ministering, having fun with the kids. And he would be outside just looking in the gate. Yep. I asked the teacher one day, what's his story? Why is he out there? Um, she said, well, his parents can't afford a uniform or school supplies, so he's not allowed to come to school. Here, even in the public school, if you don't have a uniform, you don't have school supplies, you can't come. And if parents are struggling to put food on the table, yeah. how in the world are they going to buy school supplies? Yeah. So right away, I looked at Carmen. I was like, we got to make a change right yeah. now. Yeah. So I went out. I said, what's your name? I said, my name's Harold. I said, do you want to come to school? He said, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I, I can't. I said, if I go go to town and I buy you school supplies and I buy you a uniform, you promise me you'll come every day? He said, yes, sir. That was four or five years ago. Yeah. And yeah. I went and did that. I brought it back because he's still in school. This day. Yes, he is. <laughs> so that started our mm-hmm. back to school project. So every year we started off with, I think it was like 10 or 12 kids. Yep. And we would buy school supplies for them. And now we're up to over 500 children every single year. Yeah. We buy school supplies for. And we try to reach the neediest ones of all. Um, yeah, the ones that can't come to school. That can't have. come to school. The teachers help us. Yeah, they do. So um, with the Christmas project, um, what we we started off with like 10, was it 10 um, back in 2013? And um it just grew every year. And um, for the last, I would say four years, five years, we've done 500 um, children and their families or more. more. I mean, sometimes we get an abundance of funds, so um, we just multiply it. So um, I think last year we did, yeah, 560. So anyway, but um, we go and get the coffee baskets. So they pick coffee here because coffee grows here in the mountains. Um, Amazing coffee if you've never had it. So come visit. Um, Anyway, but um, the the coffee baskets are huge because they're picking the coffee and the coffee is small, you know, and they have to fill that up for the whole day. And um, we buy the coffee baskets and we just fill it with um, rice, beans, um, sugar, um, matches, uh, oil, anything that they would need. We do shampoo, 
toothpaste, um, toiletries as well, basically. But um, it's just a huge basket for every family. I mean, and it's like two weeks worth of food and um, probably a month's worth of toiletries. And that coincides with the end of the school year, which works out perfect for us because our kids down here go to school from February to November, and then they're off December, January. That's their summer. So what we do is the last week of school, we do this Christmas project, like Carmen said, and we invite the parents to the school, and we have an end-of-the-year Christmas party where we do candy, a few Christmas presents for the kids, and we have a big celebration and then, in the classrooms. And then we give yeah. the parents the, the, the Christmas fest. We also um, uh, do blankets for them. Um, sometimes we'll change it up, but um, we do blankets so that they can, you know, stay warm during the rainy season and stuff like that. So it's nice. So it's been pretty neat and to watch and see how that grows. And of course, in the middle of all that, we do a program. We don't just... No, as a matter of fact, we do the program first. Yeah, we do some worship, we do some dramas, and then we do a message and we pray with the people, yeah. whether it's the kids, the parents, the teachers, yep. whoever. Um, we do a whole program that lasts usually about an hour, and then we give the blessing. So, and we do that also with the school supplies. So, it, it, everything we do. As far as outreach, it's just tools. Yeah. It's tools to present the gospel. Five loaves, yeah. you know, uh, and the three fish, it's the same thing. Yeah. That it's just a tool to give them Jesus. Mm-hmm. That's it. So we have heard several stories about how God is moving through Healing Rain Ministries in your country. Now, I'm sure with every, within the past nine years you've been there, not everything has always been smooth sailing. Um, can you tell us what has been some of the challenges you have had to deal with over the past nine years? I'd say the biggest challenges we've had is getting our residency. It's, um, it's difficult. Um, and when we first attempted, we didn't know a lot. We were very naive and didn't really know a lot of the laws and the requirements and stuff. And we spent a lot of money. And unfortunately, we got denied and it was for various reasons. Um, but, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll take that experience because we're in the process now of registering our NGO here in Nicaragua. Yes. We're registered with the IRS and our nonprofit in the U.S., but we're in the process of getting our NGO or non-governmental organization here in Nicaragua and getting our residency, which they, they come hand in hand. You yep. have to have there's only certain ways you can get residency here. Mm-hmm. And for example, you either have to be a retiree, you have to have, you know, a pension coming in, which we don't, I'm not old enough to have that. <laughs> missionary. Um, but, or you have to be an investor investing in the business. And in order to get residency as a missionary, you have to have your NGO here. So we're yeah. in the process. We have a great attorney now helping us. Yes. And just, one of our prayer requests, pray that everything goes in. Yes. All of our paperwork's being submitted. It's costing us a lot of financial dollars, but it's God provided it. He we did. It. So we need this so much to help us move forward. Yeah. And uh, but that has been probably one of the biggest struggles. The other struggle, yeah, yeah. I think, because uh, we didn't have residency, 
our visas expired every 98, 90 days. And it was tough because we always had to leave to renew our visas. So we were almost living a double life, you know, living, putting things on hold here, going to the States, and then putting our lives on hold in the United States and coming back here. Yeah. It was, it was difficult to to live that life. My kids always said, you know, their friends had no idea how difficult their lives were because they were trying to balance two lives. Well, they have friends here. They have friends there. We have friends here. We have friends there. And you have to kind of put one on pause Mm -hmm. to do the other, but yet you try to still maintain those friendships um, from social media. Mm. Uh, and then, of course, the difficulties of living in a third world country is, is it's, it's hard. Right? Even after nine years, yeah. it's hard to get used to. Sometimes you don't have power. Sometimes the water just goes off and there's no notice. It just happens. For no reason. And you could lose water for three, four days. Yeah. Um, so we keep a barrel of water just so we can flush toilets and stuff like that. Take a shower. <laughs> wow. So... So, and speaking of, you know, difficulties, I'm sure just like everyone, 20, the year 2020 and COVID-19 hitting, how did that impact not just um, healing rain, but also your family too? How did it impact things in Nicaragua? It was very hard. Um, Part of it is real personal and I'll let Carmen share that. But when COVID started to hit, we were, we had a team here. We, we host teams from the U.S. And actually, the ironic part was it was a team from Oklahoma. It was the very first time they'd ever been here. It was a youth group in their youth pastures. And part of the youth group, the kids, were the pastor's kids. <laughs> and they were here when COVID broke out. And there was rumor that they were going to start shutting down the airport, shutting down the airlines. And this pastor... Thankfully, he had enough faith in me after not even knowing me. <laughs> but uh, since then, I've met him in person. And yeah, we, we kind of he's pretty awesome. He's an awesome <laughs> man. But he entrusted God and trusted me yeah. and his kids. And yeah. We were able to finish out their week. We sent them home. And then we called the airlines. And two days before they stopped all air traffic, we got out of here because we weren't sure. We weren't you sure know, what to do. And the last thing I wanted to do was get caught with my family here in a foreign country, in a third world country where the healthcare is very poor. And one of us gets sick. Carmen has got health problems. Well, not, not really in the past with her lungs. Yeah. Um, I've had problems in the past with my lungs. I but... We just didn't want to take the chance of being popular with the unknown. So we got on a plane, came to the U S after a couple of months, we realized that was a terrible decision. But our footsteps are ordered by God. Yes, they are. Um, and when I say terrible decision, just because we were homesick, we wanted to get back. Yeah, we wanted to be here and we couldn't for nine months. So we were able to come back in November. And of course, when we were in the U.S., we weren't able to visit churches and tell about our ministry. No, because of COVID. Yeah. So we were like everybody else affected. We were at home all the time. Yeah. Watching church online. Yeah. <laughs> doing the thing. We still kept in touch with everyone, um, you know, through social media right. and Zoom. 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 Hey. Yes. <laughs> we, we use Zoom with our staff, you know, from here <laughs> and kept in touch with Oh, everyone. yeah. We had meetings every Encouraged single week. everybody here and just kept things going. Um, 
And then in November, we were able to come back. Yeah, that was and awesome. By little, we were to start gaining some momentum. Well, then, how about Carmen? Um, Colton and Dalton stayed with my parents um, in Ohio, and they drove them to the airport to fly to Nicaragua on Sunday, uh, the 13th of December. Well, um, you know, Colton got here and he immediately said after he got back from the airport, he's like, I, I don't feel well. And we're like, oh, you've been traveling all day, you know, just sleep it off. You'll be fine in the morning. And he woke up with like a sore throat and stuff. And he's like, I really feel like a truck hit me. I, I don't have much energy. And I'm like, well, maybe you're just coming down with something. We didn't think COVID because their test was negative and um, come to find out, you know, uh, we ended up getting symptoms as well. Like a couple of days later, Chris on Wednesday, um, you know, had symptoms and he's like, I can't move. I feel like, you know, a truck hit me too. And and then the, by Friday, I was sick. We all lost our taste and smell. And then my sister sends me um, a Facebook messenger. Oh, by the way, did you know that dad tested positive for COVID on Wednesday? And so he had COVID and didn't know it. And so Colton brought COVID here. Dalton never got it. I don't know what was up with that. Maybe he was asymptomatic. I don't know. But we all got it. Even Pamela, um, Colton's fiance at the time. So, so it took us a good three and a half weeks to get over it. We were pretty just weak and stuff like that. And, um, I, on Christmas, I actually had a doctor come and I had to have breathing treatments and stuff because I went into a coughing fit for three hours and, um, I just needed God to do a miracle in me because of, um, I was in a car accident, um, and I actually died for 13 minutes when I was 15 and my lungs collapsed. So I was in university of Cincinnati hospital on life support for over a month. So that just explains, I have some scar tissue and stuff on my lungs from that. But, um, moving forward, um, the day after Christmas, my dad, um, went to the hospital in Cincinnati um, because his COVID made um, a turn towards the worst in him. And um, two days later, my mom had to go to that same hospital. So they were both patients in the same hospital with COVID. And um, my dad ended up in the ICU. And, um, you know, we knew it was really bad um, when my dad had two cardiac arrests in one day. And, um, you know, Chris and I left January 17th to go back to the States. And God gave me a week with my dad. Um, I was able to actually visit him in ICU. And um, he passed away on January 26th of COVID. So um, that was a really hard time. And um, it's still hard, but I know he's with Jesus. So, I mean, he's way better than he was here. And so... We were already there and it, it, financially because of COVID. And there's not a lot of airlines flying into Nicaragua. As a matter of fact, there's only two. Yeah. Um, the big airlines, the U.S. carriers are not coming here no. yet because of the restrictions. 
uh, uh, the Nicaraguan government has on the COVID requirements. So it's very expensive for us to travel. It's more than double what it used to be. Oh, yeah. So we were already in the States and we decided, well, we'll try to raise our funds for the next year while we're here mm-hmm. and then come on back. And so that's what we were able to do. So then on May 5th, we flew back here, or May 7th. Yeah, May 7th. We flew back here. We had our son's wedding. Yes. And hit the run, ground running, and now we're rolling. <laughs> and, uh, things, things are good, but COVID definitely yeah. affected us and hurt us. And, but we're still here. Yeah. We're still going. Well, COVID here in Nicaragua is kind of sporadic. Like, um, you don't hear about it, and then all of a sudden – this community has COVID, don't go there, you know, that type of thing. So, and once a community is affected with COVID, they kind of lock it down. Does that make sense? Right. And there's probably, because there's less travel to and from Nicaragua, not everybody goes there. It kind of keeps everything contained. Yeah, it does. Looking forward in the future, is there anything that you have your vision set on for Healing Rain of, we want to tackle this uh, next? Yeah, actually, you know, our, our goal for the last several years, God gave us a vision um, of what, you know, we were working towards. And we're, we're getting close. Yeah. You know, it's in his timing. Um, but we want to buy a, a large piece of property. And we want to have a compound. Because like I said before, before COVID, we were hosting quite a few teams yeah. every year from the U.S. coming down and helping us. But we want to open up kind of... The best way to describe it is kind of like a YMCA day camp type thing. On this property, we'll have dorms for our teams to come down from the U.S. to stay in so we don't have to rent a hotel. Yeah. We'll have a feeding center to feed the teams, but also feed the communities. Yes. Um, we'll have a church. Um, I'd like to have a building that would be like a technical school to teach trades uh, to people. So I've got a little bit of a background in electric, electrical work. Uh, we can teach plumbing, we can teach sewing to the ladies, we can teach car repair skills, you know, to help the people uh, to get jobs. But just really to have a place yeah. where kids can come, you know, do like vacation Bible schools, to be able to, to continue to minister to them during the summers, because when the kids are not in school, there's just really nothing to do. There's to do. nothing. <laughs> um, a lot of them, you know, we've got a vision of them coming in. You know, we pick them up on buses, we bring them in, we feed them breakfast, we, we do activities, outreaches, and then we can take them home. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it's definitely, there's a bigger vision that continues to grow, but that that's our goal, uh, to get that property and to continue to plant churches, not not just the one up on top yes. of the mountain, but when, when God opens a door, we'll say yes. Yeah, we and, just say yes. You know, we'll, <laughs> continue to do that but right now um we have four schools that we can't get to and the reason we can't get to them is because they're up in the rural communities you have to cross a river you have to you know go up these dirt mountain roads um yeah. and we have a very nice van it's a it's a 15 passenger van yeah it's amazing <laughs> it only sits about eight inches off the ground and yeah. we can't take it no. up in the mountains so we're trying to get a four-wheel drive vehicle or a yeah. truck um, so the two things that are immediate, the goals are the truck and the property. Yeah. We have a lady that we met here, an elderly lady. She's Nicaraguan. And 
we met her several years ago, but she has a piece of property. It is absolutely it's perfect, perfect for what, for what we, need. we need. And she told us that God spoke to her, that that's our property. And she wants to sell it to us. And she would actually, I believe, give it to us. But if she, she has, could. <laughs> she has kids that want the inheritance, you know, and I, I understand yeah. that. But she, she says that her only prayer is that she's alive long enough to hand it over to yep. us. So that's, that's where we're headed. You know, we get this property and I believe it, it's going to, it's going to take our ministry to a whole nother level. Yeah. Um, we just had our first pastor's conference. We were not here, but we prepared for it before we left to, um, you know, go back and say goodbye to my father. But, um, in January, there was a pastor's conference that we did for the first time. And we want the pastors of Madagalpa to know we are not competition to you. We are working together for the same goals. And um, this is kingdom mindedness, you know, like we're on your team and you're on ours. So um, we bless them. Um, 50 pastors. As a matter of fact, I was visiting my dad that day in the hospital and I said, Dad, there are 50 pastors in Matagalpa right now praying for your healing. And um, we were having a pastor's conference here, and our whole team was doing that while we were doing what we needed to do in the States. But that was really cool. Wow. So it sounds like you're setting up a legacy, something that can continue on even after you're gone. And that's yes, the goal, that's right? The <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. And so within doing everything that you do, there is obviously, there comes things that a lot of people don't think about as far as, you know, supplies goes and everything it takes to maintain this ministry. So how do you guys uh, get those supplies? Is that through the support of churches here? Um, how does that come about to be? Because like I said, a lot of people don't think about that side of thing. Yeah, right. We have a few a few churches that support us faithfully, um, and we couldn't do it without the local churches no. in the U.S. We're um, so thankful for we each and every one amazing we don't call it supporters we call it partners partners mm. because when carmen and i first started this we were like we are not going to try to get a thousand churches to just send a check every month we want churches that would physically partner with us not just financially prayerfully but actually come and see yeah. what you're being a part of yeah. what you're sowing into and, and because then they catch a vision, Absolutely. you know, they catch a vision and then they take it back to Ohio or Oklahoma or wherever they're at. And then they start doing things different. They catch a fire. It's really been cool. Um, but friends and family too. I mean, that's, that's the way they were supported. Yes. And, um, Individual supporters as well. We, we are so blessed and we, we used to bring some supplies on the plane with us as far as clothes and different things, but that is so expensive. Yeah. So, I it's mean, changed right now, a lot. The best way to support us is financially and in prayer. Yeah. Um, we buy everything here. It's actually a lot cheaper to buy things here as long as it's not imported from the United States or somewhere else. And we've, yeah. we've really taken notice. We are supporting the local economy, the local business, the small mom and pop places. Just for instance, a quick story. Our school supplies that we buy for our school back to school project, they're from us. One lady, she runs a business out of her house. Okay. She buys from a big distributor and then tries to make a little bit of money. So we buy from her. 
all the cardboard boxes that her supplies are delivered to yes. us in, we then recycle them with another ministry here, a local Nicaraguan ministry who recycles the, the boxes and they make a little bit of money for their ministry. Then we do outreaches where we buy paper bags. They make paper bags out of those cardboard boxes. So I turn around, I donate the cardboard boxes to their ministry. Then I buy the paper bags from them to support their the local ministry. Yes. And it, it's just so <laughs> cool to see the yeah. relationships yeah. that we're forming with the locals. And God is just is blessing us. He's blessing other businesses. And it's really neat to see how Healing Rain <laughs> is touching a lot more people and reaching a lot more people than we could ever imagine. So, for example, someone will um, support a child in a family for Christmas for $20. And then they get that coffee basket and everything that I said goes in it. But then we turn around and, you know, our garage is full. Our garage is huge. So it's it's full like a warehouse of all these cardboard boxes from all the supplies that we got delivered to put in those baskets. And then, you know, the blessing just continues because we donate it. And then, you know, it's just amazing. So they're not just supporting these families and kids, they're also supporting other ministries through it. And yeah. Wow. So we have heard just a, a little bit of how you can be involved, but a big part of what the show is about is not only figure out who you are, what you do, but also how people can, um, like you said, Chris, partner. And so if there's anybody watching the show now that says, I want to help partner with Healing Rain Ministries, what's some ways they can do that? Well, first of all, prayer. Yeah, you know, that's that's the biggest thing. Most that, important. It's not cliche to us. We know we can't do anything without God. No. It's about Him. It's for Him, and, and we can't do anything without Him. So, no. um, we need your prayers. We need your support that way. Um, but financially, obviously, the money money is what makes the world goes around. That's what allows us to do what we can do. And financially, you can give. There's several ways. We have yes. a website. Um, which I think you said you were going to post that. We have PayPal, we have Venmo, Cash App, write a check. You can <laughs> to our yeah. PO box. We have an accountant in the U.S. that takes care of everything yes. for us financially there. So uh, everything is 100% tax deductible. Yes, and 100% of your funds goes into the ministry. Yes, um, Carmen and I take a very little salary. Yeah, um, we're not in this to, to become rich <laughs> or make money. We both had great jobs before yeah. this. And if we wanted to make money, we would never walk into ministry, yeah. let alone be a missionary. Yeah. Um, you do this because you love the Lord and that's, your call. Yes. And that's definitely you know, a calling. That's, that's why we do what we do. So uh, we are very transparent in everything we do. Yes. Um, but, you know, there's multiple ways you can give. All right. And as always, um, everything will be in the description. We'll, uh, we'll put their email in case you want to contact them, find out more about how to partner, um, their social medias, everything you need to figure out how you can partner with uh, Chris and Carmen and Healing Ray Ministries. Uh, thank you two for joining. My final um, question for you two today, I ask this in every interview, is what is some specific prayer requests we can pray, not just for Healing Ray Ministries, but also your family as well? Well, the one right off the top of my head is for our oldest son. Yeah. Um, he has recently graduated from college. He has several degrees, master's mm -hmm. degrees, bachelor's degrees. 
and he is in the process and transition of uh, his next assignment for God. And he had an interview yesterday, and he actually is deciding whether he's going to accept this position. But we are, we just want direction. Yeah. So prayer for direction for Dalton. Um, all of our children, direction yes. for Colton and yes. Leanne, uh, because we want our children to definitely be blessed and walk in in their callings. Um, we just need God's wisdom as well yeah. as we continue to say yes and and navigate these things that God is asking us to do because He asked you to do them, but you don't always know what that entails, and it's all about timing and things like that. So. Definitely. Um, but also that more teams would want to come and work with us, um, even with the airline tickets being high, because, you know, um, it it really empowers our, our uh, people here in Nicaragua and empowers us, encourages yeah. us. Um, and we can do so much more when a team is here Absolutely. because there's more resources that come in with that. And so um, it's just amazing. Yeah, we just pray for for the people of the world. That, you know, people will turn to Jesus. We know a lot of people are facing difficulties with COVID, whether it be yeah. through a loss of a family member like we have experienced, loss yes. of a job, whatever it may be. Um, and we know it's difficult firsthand. But we want to see the captives set free. We want to see people... Um, receive salvation and have a relationship with Jesus Christ and their lives to be changed. That's what it's all about. Yeah, that's really what the Healing Ring Ministries is all about. If COVID taught me one thing as a leader, as a father, as a husband, as a man of Christ, is this life is a vapor. It is. The word tells us it's very quick. We're here today, we're gone tomorrow. And, you know, I, I follow a YouTuber. A Christian YouTuber, he's really awesome. But his his line, his motto is few all men live, but or all men die, but few men live. All men die, but few men live. And you said it earlier that we're leaving a legacy, that we're leaving something tangible here in Nicaragua. And that's what I want. And Carmen and I are gone. Yeah. And we go to be with the Lord. I want not Chris and Carmen to be glorified, no. but that church up on top of that mountain we planted, no. it's going to be there for many years, many years, changing lives for many years for the kingdom. And that's what it's about. Yeah. You know, this life is too short to worry about the petty details, yeah. the, the little bickering, and no. you know, the difference in opinions. Love Christ and love, love this people. Life, love people. Yeah. Yeah, Colton, our son <laughs> has a, his YouTube channel. What is it? Love. Alive to love. Yeah. It's love life, love people, and live an extraordinary life. That's his motto. And it's so true. It really is that, you know, God's got it under control. We just need to trust him and love him. We have so, a, a scripture verse. That's our motto for our ministry. And God gave it to us. Um, it's Proverbs 31, 8 and 9. It says, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and the needy. We just got about an hour or so glimpse into uh, what has been nine years of Healing Ray Ministries and um, 
a lifetime, lifetimes more to come. I like you said, you know, you're leaving a legacy. Um, the prayer is that healing rain will continue to flourish even after you two have gone home to be uh, with Jesus. So thank you, Carmen. Thank Amen. you, Chris, for joining me today. And I look forward thank to you. keeping in touch with you. So God bless you. Yes. Thank you. So thank much. you so much. God bless you.